0: quickly with magic because I don't want to give away magic techniques to people, right. but, uh, but if I'm sitting here, I might see, you know, I have a Coke bottle. And so I might see that there are properties on this Coke bottle that can either be used overtly in a trick or secretly in order to facilitate a trick happening either something written on the label or the label itself or the shape or the way things are, you know what I mean? Or the liquid, the color of the liquid. I, I'm being ambiguous because I don't want to, uh, you know, like talk, I, I try not to talk about <laughs> magic methodologies too much. But so I look at this bottle in its totality. I read the words on it. I see like how is it attached to the, the bottle itself. There's there's, I can see right here, right now, uh, there's, there's a, a date stamped on it. Who knew that, that soda went bad? I didn't think that was possible. I thought if you left soda, it became good after a while. Like it started <laughs> bad. It became, but, uh, so, you, so you think it's like red wine, it gets better with age? Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I noticed, by the way, on this Coke bottle right now, I, I never noticed this that near the bottom, it's dimpled, Mm -hmm. but it's not dimpled anywhere else. I didn't notice that. So that's obviously for gripping purposes. Mm -hmm. By the way, it reminds me that, you know, the classic Coke bottle, I was, I was uh, uh, read about this. I'm guessing it's true. It sounds true that the reason why they came up with that very interesting shape of the Coke bottle in like the 18 whatever, like 1880 or 1890 or 1900, whenever they did, it was because th- they postulated people will keep their Coke bottles in the refrigerator with like bo- with bottles, of, uh, not the refrigerator, the ice box, right? You had a pan of ice under it and so forth. Mm-hmm. That, that, and those things didn't have lights. And that they would come down at night and the light wouldn't be on and there's no light in the icebox so when they opened the icebox they wanted them to be able to tell which was the bottle of coke just by feel because they wouldn't have any light so when they'd reach in they could feel that that was the coke so by the way by the way even that idea of being able to tell the coke bottle from feel gives me ideas for tricks or methodologies of tricks in other words just riffing on the whole thing oh yeah based on feel you can tell something apart from something else okay how about if we have a spectator you know can you tell which like stick your hand spectator into this bag and tell us which is something like Not bottles, but something else. So, in other words, I would start to riff on it. And I would just do that with everything, just like walking around. And and at the same time,
1: just just to go to that, just because I want to help people grasp it, including for us, too, or expanding for us, is at the same time, um, I might look at that bottle and see something else to riff on than you do. Right. So, for instance, what I know about the Coke bottle, again, I don't know if it's true, um, but it's something I read years ago that I thought was pretty interesting and made sense to me from a point of view of the psychology. Because, you know, one of my fascinations is, is the psychology of marketing. And so the reason that the bottle was made that shape was because it looks like a silhouette of a woman. Right. Right. And that's the attraction. So they were aiming at male buyers. I've heard so that. The shape of giving it the woman, the, the feminine form with, with the, the chest and the waist and then the hips was, was the pull. So now I'm looking at it and you're looking at it from being able to tell a shape in the dark, and I'm looking at it, uh, telling what something is in the dark, and I'm looking at it from, from the female form. Right. Would give me a different focus
0: in designing that, that, that trick or whatever it would be. Is that right? Absolutely. And so, for instance, on this Coke bottle, I just noticed they have two polar bear. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, like 10 years ago or something, like at a at a Super Bowl or so, you know, they had these wonderful commercials with these animated polar bear or whatnot.
1: Yeah, with penguins, because they'd move from the north-south to, because they, they used to have penguins and polar bears in the same commercial. They exist on
0: opposite poles, and people never, oh, I didn't even, know. People never even twigged that. I didn't even know. But the idea that there's polar bear on here, so I'm just realizing I never really understood why Coke used polar bear as a symbol. And I'm wondering, and I don't know, this is, you know, it's because, uh, you know, they're white, the Coke symbol is white, polar bear are symbols of cold, so it's like a cold soda and so forth. Anyway, I'm not going anywhere with this. It's only because you asked me, oh, so what do you mean by anomalies or so? Right. It's just, it's just, even if I'm wrong and I can go research it and find out what it is, the fact that it allowed me to go in those directions, I might come up with a really interesting idea from being wrong. In other words, the right thing is not interesting, but the wrong thing is interesting. Which again is back to that writer that you talked about that you didn't like and you produced
1: your best piece of work by following that model. So it's that same thing again. Right. So that, that I think that often, again, that's part of that bias is is often we go, well, this, this is going to be good for me. And actually, it's not. You're actually better to do something that is, I mean, I, I really believe and I, I've done videos and spoke about this and written about it that. You will not access anything spectacular by doing what is familiar. You can't. You're just going to get another level of familiar. It might be a, a greater level, a deeper level, a bit more expensive, but it's not going to be unique. It's not going to be something that just like bam and knocks you off your knocks you off your base unless you go do something completely different, right? I mean, and I just. I, That's one of the things that I find very, I notice as I've gotten older, I've really noticed that that's part of me is that there's this enormous pull towards things that are so obscure and not part of what I believe in or want to know about. And at the same time, this enormous repulsion to the same thing. So I have this diametrically opposed, right? So I, I don't want to go there because it's like, oh, geez, I'm too old for that. I'm past all that stuff. I don't care. And at the same time, this absolute compulsion, I, I must know more about that. And it's and it's an internal battle. And the reason I know is because the, the part of me as I've gotten older wants to be comfortable and the part of me that doesn't age loves to learn. And, and, and I can know that I learn best from being in an environment that makes me really uncomfortable.
0: Right. Interesting. That pushes
1: me way outside of my comfort zone, that makes me expand. And that for me is also interesting because, you know, you talked about earlier about anomalies, right? You're looking for anomalies and, and, and we've talked about assumptive knowledge and, and, seeing things in the of course sense. But that's one of the things I love about you, Mark, and I love about our conversations is that you have an ability to see. It's one of the things that you and I have very much in common. We see what others don't see. Not because we're better. It's just it's a focal point. We see what others don't see. And that, you know, when you first, and you and I first had a conversation about the fact of your urban exploring, that was one of the things that became very, like, it became, again, it became an off course about you because it made sense to me. Right, because, of course, you would be interested in these things. You would see what others don't see. Uh, there's a book called, um, I don't know if you know this book, it's called Weird New Jersey. Have you heard of it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, there's a magazine the that comes out guy.
1: semi-annually, on, yeah. and uh, it's about – weird stuff in new jersey and immediately when you started telling me about the stuff i I went and found that book i didn't buy it i was looking at some of the articles by
0: the way there's weird lots of different places oh is there okay yeah weird i don't know i'm making this up washington there's a bunch of them right but you
1: go out on these adventures and and you know and you've shown me photographs of buildings that are like totally funky and weird and have weird names like the holland tunnel building this is a building it's not a freaking tunnel and then we talked about how well, it's what,
0: the well what that was and so so you know i just like to go around and see historical sites but unusual you know the 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 perfect example uh, you know i just like to go off the beaten path the the perfect example that comes to mind this is not urban exploring what I'm talking about, but years ago, I remember I went to Washington D.C. and uh, I went to Arlington Cemetery, and I it was like oh my God the Eternal Flame is there you know John uh, you know JFK is buried there and the Eternal yep. Flame is on his grave and so I want to see that very excited like okay let's go let's go to the it's getting late let's go to Arlington Cemetery da 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 see the Eternal Flame and when I went there there were so many people that it was hard to even see the grave. Mm-hmm. And so that's a pain in the ass to me. You know what I mean? It was like, so instead my my friends and I, we then started wandering around Arlington Cemetery and we went deep into Arlington Cemetery. And at one point we were kind of lost in there. We didn't know where, which way was back towards Washington. And so, and we're looking around. And I try to be respectful of the graves. You know, I'm a very respectful guy. But I'm uh, at one point, I realized that I was stepping on someone's grave. And I turned and I just looked down. And it was General Omar Bradley, you know, who was the head of the American forces during World War II. You know, like he was like, you know, only Eisenhower was above him, you know, And, and like I. I jumped off the grave. You know, not only was Mm. I stepping on someone's grave, I went, oh shit, it's Omar Bradley's grave. And and but it was so exciting for Mm. me to have found Omar Bradley's grave and then to go back and study exactly what his role was. Right. And that kind of thing. So I kind of use going out into the world as as research to learn about the world but then when i'm out in the world i try to learn things you know when i come back home from the you know so it's just this it's just this very exciting experiential learning project that allows me because there's so many interesting things happening in the world simultaneously you know if you looked at the world you know uh, uh, through the lens of biology, if you looked at it through the lens of architecture, if you like, lo- you know what I mean? Like wherever you want there's so many ways to study it in a really fascinating way that that just kind of thrills me. So urban, uh, uh, urban exploring is kind of like wherever I go, I find, you know, oh, is there, uh, um, you know, so for instance, in Westchester in New York, um you know i went to see an abandoned it was it's been turned into a park an abandoned world war 1 army base you know it's where the, before the american troops went into world war 1 that's where they trained and you know i went there and it and it's a park it's a gigantic place and you know it's graffitied up some of it and so forth but but um I I came across these tunnels, and I had a, and I had to read about the tunnels. It's like, why are these tunnels here? And why are the windows, the windows, they don't have panes in, of glass on them. They're open, but they're these thin little slits that are angled. Like, why are the tunnels angled? Uh, pardon me. Why are the windows angled? Why aren't they just, why can't you just look straight out of them? Why are they mm-hmm. angled so you're looking backwards? And I read about this. Uh, that these were tunnels for the World One troops who were training, they would walk through while target practice was happening, so that they wouldn't get hit. They were concrete tunnels. And the reasons why the windows were angled was so that bullets couldn't get into the tunnel, they were angled away. You know what I mean? So if it hit where a window was... It would have been impossible for it to get into the tunnel. And by the way, that base was closed after like a year or six months of being open because it was right in like by Dobbs Ferry or someplace like that, New York. And, and they do all this target practice and all these shell casings from the bullets because it was up on a height they come rolling down into the town. All these shell casings would keep on, and the, the townspeople complain that all these shells were, were like raining down onto the town or something, so they closed it. Anyway, you know, I, I go in, I have to deduce stuff while I'm there. You know, what does this mean? You know, like, why is this there? Why wasn't it there? What was society like then? You know, why did they use this material? Why not that material? Mm -hmm. You know, why did we go there in the first place? All those kinds of things. So all this stuff is me going out into the world and like the world triggering learning in me. Because to me learning is, um, I remember reading a book by a guy named Saul Gordon and Saul Gordon, I forget, I think it was called When Living Hurts, I think is when it's called, he wrote it for teenagers who were suicidal and, mm. uh, and I read parts of it, I didn't uh, uh, I didn't read the whole thing, but I remember one of the lessons that he gave in it was, uh, it was so right that I still remember it, uh, uh, he said something like, If someone is suicidal, send that like tell them to go out to and learn something because, like, you can't be suicidal while you're learning. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm suicidal, I'm not saying that's why I go on these things, but like, to me, learning. Like just learning for learning's sake is so extraordinarily important that I found it fascinating when I was reading this book, where I was just like reading to learn about different states of mind or so. I was reading uh, this this book and it was like, yes, that's exactly right. You know, because when I'm learning, it's it's almost, you know, it's almost a different state of mind. It's almost like a high. Yeah, but you know the, the, that, for me, again, is that's part of that's how
1: you and I are brothers, um, because that thing we've both got about learning is it's crazy, it's insane. I mean, it's nuts. And, and I can remember because I've had this discussion many times with my wife actually, around being the depressed kid that I was, uh, and and how I coped. Right, and there was ways that I coped. I coped through art because I was an artist. I coped through getting on my bike and cycling till I felt like my legs were gonna burst open because there'd be so much blood in my legs. But one of the ways that I coped was with learning. And so right. as a kid, I watched documentaries. When other kids were watching cartoons, I was watching documentaries at nine and 10 like obsessively, I was watching, I was watching BBC Two and watching Shakespeare and, and and talks about who Shakespeare was and you know and learning about history. I was studying um, Winston Churchill and, and things like that. I was fascinated with learning, but I but I honestly think that it was a co- all those things were coping mechanisms for depression, of living in this depressive environment that I lived in as a child. And it and it and it saved me. So learning and more importantly, curiosity. Because learning is one thing. Because there's a lot of shit I learned that I didn't I didn't want to learn. I right. was being forced to learn at school. So it wasn't just the learning. It was the curiosity, the commitment to being curious about stuff. And I even wrote about it in Elvis in that book that I sent you, right. where where Elvis is depressed, and he and he says and he's reading about photosynthesis, and and, and he says. Why am I reading about photosynthesis? This is not going to change me. It's not going to change my life. But it's actually to bring him out of depression. It's actually to, to, to have him see more than this microscopic focus of shittiness that we're caught in in the moment, and to, to suddenly be open to the universal expense of seeing the world in a different way. And that, that whole thing around seeing the world in a grain of sand you know, is is that it's that piece for me? Is that that it's the um, patent interrupt that to me curiosity is the most magnificent version of a patent interrupt. It is that it will it says what if there's more than this, and if I can interrupt your patent long enough? And I actually, had a client who wrote me a thing two three years ago who said. Um, Nobody could get me out of depression but you. And and he goes, and I and he's a master NLP train. And and he goes, and I understand patent interrupt. He goes, but you were so goddamn good at patent interrupt, I never even caught them. And he's a master of it. And I said, and we had a big convo about it. And I said, How did what was it? And he said, I don't know. You just got me interested in stuff. And I go, that was it. That's the patent interrupt. It's I would inspire curiosity. What if this? Well, what if that? Well, what if this is not that, and that's this, and that's what I love about you, Mark. It's what I love about our conversations, is that you do that to me, and I do it to you. And there's not many people I can play that game with that lifts us both and elevates us, and we have a we have a good laugh about it, and we say stupid right. shit, and we're in the AK club, and right. <laughs> those of you who don't know is the Altagracia Club, and if you don't know what that is. <laughs> research it on your on your uh, google yiddish <laughs> research you know uh, but we have these great conversations that go off on bent tangents but create curiosity about things and i know that i can come in with a level of a bias about something and that you'll shift that and i think that that's what you're masterful at doing with your clients around differentiation I think that's what you're masterful at doing in your writing skills in that you can, you create a curiosity around something. So I've shown you a piece of my thing, you know, that my writing around something and said, you know, wanted some input from you around this copy or whatever it is. And then you said, well, what about this? And you create a curiosity that you are, obviously have and you're completely you know winging it, right. and, but it's your curiosity about it that then inspires my curiosity about it. And
0: it's, that's, I think, is one of your greatest gifts. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, thank you. Um, uh, you know, one of the ways, for instance, that this just happened this past week is I had a brand new client and I was helping her to create an offering. She's a big, uh, uh, like, live event person and so forth. And I was trying to make her create new offerings. And because it was our first conversation and we didn't have a lot of time, uh, I really talk about that single concept thinking. You know, I, I really had her look at things from the point of view of, of let's look at what would make you uncomfortable here. You know, what offering would make you uncomfortable? What pricing would make you uncomfortable? What kind, you know, like what are all the things that would make you uncomfortable? And, and now what are those things and what's the discomfort? Because I would argue that you're probably uncomfortable about stuff because it's important. You know, another word for uncomfortable is fear. What scares you
1: Mm -hmm.
0: here? Like come up with an offering that scares you. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's like, okay, what's the offering and why does it scare you? Oh, okay, and it's probably pointing to the fact that this is something that you really want to see happen, but you're not quite sure that you can make it happen yet. And so now it's the idea of, okay, should you try to make it happen then? I know you're scared, I know you're uncomfortable, but usually we can acclimate to fear or so, like is this a case where you should do the uncomfortable thing or do you want to go back to what it is you're doing or do you think you could you know come up with a hybrid or go straight into the fear and do the thing that you most want to do anyway she created we created like stuff based on you know Mm -hmm. what scares you here like like let's look at the scary thing in each instance so in other words in other words and i know you get it but just to put it it's it's using fear not as as something to stop you, but as an indicator on what to go towards.
1: Yeah, yeah. You and I fully agree on that one, and um, you know, even in my uh, board of advisors meetings that you're part of, um, that is where I'm. I have always come at it from, okay, what's what's scary about this? Like, and I got to go to that. What's scaring the crap out of me here? Um, and there was an offering that I was, that I did 15 years ago that I took off the table. I just took it off the table and two years ago went, yeah, I should bring that back. And so I talked to some people about it and went, oh no, that'll put people off. That'll put people off. And they were vocalizing my fear. It wasn't them. It was me. They were, they were saying exactly my fear. And then one day I woke up and went, I'm not going to get it if I don't ask. So let's go for this. Went to that. I love the offer. You know, I realized that the resistance to it is equal to the resistance of something that was much more available financially to people. There's no there's no lesser or greater resistance to it because it's not about the money. It's about what it is that I do. That's what scares the crap out of people. You gotta, okay, we're gonna really dig deep and we're gonna clear a lot of this stuff out. and And you might have to give up who you've been, that's terrifying, but who might you become? Oh,
0: right. And, right. And
1: so I, I love that point. Mark, we're, we're, we are, we're out of time and mate, we've just got, I mean, obviously there's going to be a part two to this, although this will be broken into many parts, um, but we're going to have to have a series two of this uh, because we didn't get further into writing we didn't go into more of the adventure stories that i know you've got there's so much yes tons um i have loved this conversation because i think in many ways um i was thinking about this last night as i went to bed and i was thinking about the show today and i was thinking you know maybe mark and because of course you and i got nothing to do and we don't need to do anything else (laughs) (laughs) um but you know i thought maybe mark and i should write a book about curiosity because you're the only person i know who is as genuinely curious as i am really i mean it's like i think it's a rarity and that's why i've loved this conversation because you and i can riff for hours and hours about and go off on different tangents and i love the way your mind works and i really am grateful for everything you've shared with us today in curiosity bites it has been amazing um I want people to know where to get a hold of you and, and and discover you. So just please tell everybody how they can find you and how to reach out to you and your oh, yeah. amazing genius brain.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you, and I I feel the same about you. So my website is Levy L E V Y levyinnovation.com. That's not innovations plural. I'm only capable of one innovation. I like to say. So levyinnovation.com and you'll find all my information there on how to you know, email me and call me and stuff like that. Um, and by the way, when you're there, at least as I'm saying this message right now, I don't know that it'll always be there, but um, I have a free PDF that people can download. They don't have to pay me for it. They don't have to leave their contact information. And the reason why I bring it up is because it speaks to what you and I just talked about. It's called... It's something I created years ago. It's called list making as a tool of thought leadership. So essentially you take a topic that you need new thinking on, you know, like it can be a new business you want to create or an article you want to write or whatever it is. And what it is, is I have you make three or five or 10 or 12 different lists about that topic where each list looks at the topic from a slightly different direction. So the lists would have names like what are the best ideas? What's the best advice I've ever heard on this topic? What's the worst advice I've ever heard on this topic? What are ways I can reframe this topic? What stories do I know about this topic? You just make these lists and you print them out, you fill them out, it's very easy. And you look from list to list and item to item and human beings are natural meaning making machines, as you know. And so just by putting in the work and then look getting it out of your head and putting onto paper, new ideas and stories and things like that and insights just pop up. You can't help it. It just happens. You know, just by looking at them, you'll come up with new stuff. So that's at levyinnovation.com. List making is a tool of thought leadership.
1: Fantastic, and I highly recommend that you go get there. Listen, anything you can get that's Mark's, get a hold of it. Don't bother looking for him on social media. He is right. not really there. Right. <laughs> but right. his website is there, and you can find you can find some video of him on YouTube and those kinds of places. But if you can, I mean, you know, there's books and there's all kinds of things um, to look up for, for Mark. Anything that Mark does, I highly recommend he is a dear friend thank you sir and a a genuine genius um and a complete mishugana with a lot of curiosity and i appreciate that thank you mark it's been a pleasure and honor having you with us and i will be chatting to you personally very soon thanks mate Thank
0: thank you so much and thanks to all the listeners for listening
1: yeah absolutely